Well, all I can say is this has been a fairly eventful week here at uh, Truth to Ponder. I'm going to share some of the news that's going on behind the scenes and a little bit of thoughts about the future of this radio program and where I believe God is leading it. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And I welcome you to the weekend edition of Truth to Ponder. And I'm your host, Bob Bierman. Now, I've got a lot of things that I want to cover in the first part of this radio program. It's going to be a number of items, but you need to hear each and every one. I want to start by saying this has been an exciting week here at the radio program. We have expanded. We've talked about it for quite a while, and the opportunity presented itself, and for a while, we're going to start out trying to see how things work using WTWW. We are on the air twice every night, seven nights a week, I might add, on the frequency 5085 kilohertz, 9 p.m. and 11 p.m. Eastern Time, though those times may change a little bit over the next week or two. There might be some expanded hours. We're even looking at a potential daytime airing of the program. We'll let you know more as we learn more. I know the radio station has a few technical issues to deal with. We're going to try to help them any way that we can. But we're thankful for the opportunity and the additional coverage and the additional frequency. Now, WRMI is still our primary station. We are on the air on WRMI on a number of frequencies at a number of times. And we have been with them from the very beginning of this radio program, Truth to Ponder. And of course, on the weekends, we are aired on the Voice of Hope from Zambia in the eastern part of the continent of Africa. That signal covers pretty much the entire continent. And so we are thankful for that weekly opportunity at the Voice of Hope. And yes, I look to see what other opportunities there may be. But once again, it all comes down to can we afford to be on all of these stations? And I'll just remind you right here at the beginning, my time is free. It's the airtime that we pay for and what you support when you support this radio ministry. Now, a couple of other things in the back of my mind. Somebody had sent me an interesting email that reminded me of something I need to remind you of. It is better not to allow our children to learn nonsense that they need to unlearn years later. And that is increasingly happening in many of our government schools. They're being taught things that are blatantly not true. They are being taught things that would probably go against most conservative and any Christian's worldview. They're being told that gender is fluid. They're being told it's okay to lie to your parents about gender confusion. And they'll have your back, helping you make the transition. They'll help you discover your sexuality literally in elementary school. This is the evil of our world today. And many parents, I know in the United States and across the world, they're concerned about how to raise their children in this increasingly evil time. 
there's no doubting it. You, you can argue with me, and there's some people that have emailed me and argue that we can just fix this with an election. And I keep saying, while we need to use the power of the ballot box in a positive way, and I do, and I vote, I've been voting for over 50 years, we need to recognize it is not the end-all solution. It never has been. I look over the past 50 years, the past 100 years, the past 200 and almost 50 years coming up for this nation. 247 years of elections. We've had good times and bad, but we've never fixed all the ills and you never will. Look at the world over 250 years. And the truth is because of where we are as a society in much of the Western world, and this includes literally any democracy on the continent of Africa. This includes the United States, Canada, United Kingdom, Western Europe, all of it. Many nations were blessed by God, and now they curse God. And you cannot expect to be blessed and protected by God when you're continually pushing him off the marketplace of ideas, suppressing, eliminating, condemning, and mocking. And I remind all of my Christian friends that the word says, God says, I will not be mocked. And those that are doing that are always playing with fire. Somebody pointed out a theory, and and I buy into some of this that I can verify the rest I, I don't want to get into because I can't find the proof. And I, I don't like to share things that are purely rumor or speculation. But when you look at the world wars that we have fought over the past roughly 100 years, two world wars, World War One, then World War Two, and here we are now, quite a number of years later, potentially on the verge of another world war. And if things do not de-escalate at some point, you're dragging in players, and I really believe the globalist and the elitist are really wanting this world war. They really do. They're trying to consolidate power, and they're trying to get all these nations to back their pawns on the chessboard. And many nations will fall victim and pray to it for whatever reason. Many politicians will go along because there is money to be made in war. There's power in the politics of war. There always has been and always will be. For the Western powers that were among what were called the allies in World War I and World War II which, by the way, is the last war the United States ever won. And that war ended in 1945. That's 78 years ago. We didn't win Korea. That's just a stalemate, unresolved. There was the Cold War, which came to an end in 1992, yet the globalists have tried to keep that war alive ever since. They won't let go. NATO was created 
as a defense against the Soviet Union, which doesn't exist. Yet NATO still wants money. NATO is still goading for more war and activity. In other words, they're trying to keep it all alive. And it was Dwight Eisenhower, former president of the United States, who made it clear as he left office in January of 1961. He already saw it. Beware the military-industrial complex. Remember, he had grown up with World War I. He served as Allied Supreme Commander in the European theater in the Second World War. He saw how evil war could be. And he rightly pointed out in that final speech a few things that I want to remind you of. Up until the Second World War, the United States didn't keep a large amount of armament, a large amount of equipment, a large amount of artillery, and a large standing army. Prior to the Second World War, we kind of raised an army as needed. Once again, we had the Atlantic and the Pacific Ocean to protect us from abroad. But things changed in World War II. Technology advanced at incredible leaps and bounds during the Second World War. Aircraft, and in a short time after the war, jet aircraft, missiles, rockets, all these things became a part of the military hardware. In addition, we now had unleashed atomic bombs and atomic energy. These weapons became increasingly devastating to give us what is called assured mutual destruction. Assured mutual destruction. And yet we keep building and building these weapons and make them faster and harder to stop even after the end of the Cold War. World War II, we had to suddenly turn the plowshares into swords quickly. We had to arm up because of a two-theater war, Pacific and the Atlantic, when you talk about Europe. And looking back over history, how much of this was planned to get us into that war? Much of what we were taught in history may not necessarily be true. I think we knew about Japan long before Japan attacked and we allowed it. And I believe that Roosevelt wanted to be involved in, in Europe, really in 1939 and 1940, but had to wait for the opportunity that occurred in December of 1941. Wars are used to divide, change the landscape and the politics. And I'm afraid we're looking at the potential for one again. Can we stave it off for a while? Sure. Will it eventually come? Well, the Bible says it will. That's not to be a depressing thought. For the believer, there is still hope. Now, I want to change gears here just for a moment. I ran into another story that I, I kind of thought was fascinating. Oh, by the way, I see where there's a Texas Republican who voted against school choice, and he's actually endorsed by the teachers union. 
we have too many fakes, phonies, and frauds running around claiming to be conservative, and this guy named Travis Clardy is one of them. Yeah, he's got the porn books in his school district, and he's funded by Teachers Union, and he sent his kids to private school. That tells you everything you need to know. Too many fakes, phonies, and frauds. And now, this story that I want to share is a reminder of why we do this this program on the radio, on International Shortwave. I know many people do not have shortwave radios. And I know a number of you listen to this program as a podcast only. I would encourage you to find out more about shortwave radio because the internet is increasingly a very regulated place. I'm seeing it happening in Canada. They're going to want these big podcast companies to register. It's going to happen in Europe, and you know eventually here in the United States. An article came out the other day. Now, because I spent I spent 50 years, over 50 years in, in broadcasting. So I do follow the news, and they're talking about the streaming media, like, like podcasting and videocasting. And I'm seeing it even among conservative conservative media already. It is called the rise of the subscription economy. Five years ago, 10 years ago, podcast, videocast, all that was free. But increasingly, programs are moving behind a paywall. They're moving behind a paywall. Or these programs get bought up by major companies and finance like by Spotify and others, and then they are commercial ventures. This program is available as a podcast, has been since day number one. The primary hosting source is Podpoint, a Christian podcasting company. It is then pushed out to other locations like Spotify, like iTunes, like Google Podcasting, and many, many others. I have no control of what happens after it goes from the first source to the second. You might even hear commercials to which I get zero benefit. But many of these companies and many hosts are moving to the subscription model. They try to get, you know, maybe five or $10 a month or something for you to hear their radio program or to watch it. I've chosen not to have a, a paywall. I don't really want to do that, and I've chosen not to sell product on this program. It's not what I feel called to do. And we started on shortwave radio. We will stay on shortwave radio. And the day that that God makes it clear that it's time for this radio program to retire, it will leave shortwave radio and not appear anywhere else. I want this program to be available to those that need to hear it. Bottom line. But I also want to remind you that we have the opportunity of growing and expanding. Because there is no paywall, because we do not accept sponsorship, I do need to ask you to be generous and supportive of what we do here at Truth to Ponder. I I can't tell you enough. By the way, uh, I mark a little mile, milestone in my life on, on Monday, the 16th. It is my 69th birthday, and I'll be spending it talking to uh, my doctor up in another 
another part of Virginia. And I have another surgery coming up. Let's just pray that we have some good news. So keep me in your prayers as we continue this journey with bladder cancer. Your prayers have been most appreciated. But if you can support us financially, you can do it from the website, truththenumber2ponder.com. Truththenumber2ponder.com. We use Give, Send, Go, which is a Christian organization. When we started, we used, for a very short time, PayPal. And I decided because they can pull the plug anytime and hold your money, no way. We got rid of that. So we don't use PayPal for for this ministry. We use PodPoint from the website. Or make a check or money order payable to Ancient Word Radio, Ancient Word Radio, Post Office Box 510, Post Office Box 510, Chilhowee, Virginia, Chilhowee, Virginia, 24319. Once again, Ancient Word Radio, Post Office Box 510, Chilhowee, Virginia, 24319. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Beerman. The dawn in the face of the moon. Shalom Aleichem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. In the Song of Solomon, it says that the bride's face is like that of the moon. She is as fair as the moon. Well, what is the beauty of the moon? The beauty of the moon is that it reflects the radiance of the sun. What kind of light does it reflect? It reflects the light of the dawn. The light of the moon is the first sign that the sun is still out there and is coming. It's the light of the dawn. It's the light of the sunrise. It's the light of the rising of the sun. If you're born again, you're the bride. That means you need to have the beauty of the moon about you. How? Well, you look beyond this world, beyond the darkness of this night. You look to the light of the sun, the son of God. You look to the light of Messiah and particularly to the light of his rising. You live your life in the power of his rising and the resurrection. You set your face beyond your situation and into the direction of his light, into the light of his rising, the hope of his rising, the the glory of his rising, the victory of his rising, the joy of his rising, the power of his rising. You live your life in the life-transforming power of the resurrection. That's the moon looking at the light of the sun and reflecting. And as you do that, you're going to glow. You're going to be radiant with his light in any circumstance. Even in the darkness, you're going to shine with a light that the world has no idea of. Your life will be lit up with his light. Your life will become beautiful, as beautiful as the light of the rising of the sun radiating in the face of the moon. Want more? Ask for the gospel of the moons on CD. Now the free gift for you. What if you discover the place, the lost Ark of the Covenant? Well, a newly revealed ancient discovery just as awesome. The mystery of the temple doors on CD with the amazing hidden writings of the rabbis that prove Jesus. And the and also Sapphire's daily spiritual vitamins for a victorious walk in God. We're a free New Testament. How do you get all these gifts free? Easy. Just remember Jesus' real Hebrew name, Yeshua, and you dial it. To receive your free gifts, just call 1-800-YESHUA-1. You will be blessed, but call now 1-800-YESHUA-1. Now, I invite you to join with me to bring 
the Jewish people back the salvation that they brought to you. Remember, God says, I will bless those who bless Israel and also to reach the unreached peoples of the world in the most farthest way you can ever can through shortwave radio. Just call 1-800-YESHUA-1. That's Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. Or write me direct at the Nice Jewish Boy, Box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. It's a Nice Jewish Boy, Box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. Till next time, this is Jonathan saying Shalom Anachem. Peace be to you, my friend, in Messiah Tikvatenu, our hope. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. I can see the waters raging at my feet. I can feel the breath of those surrounding me. The sound of nations rising up We will not be overtaken We will not be overcome I can walk down this dark and painful road I can face every fear of the unknown I can hear all God's children singing out We will not be overtaken is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. One of the greatest hopes we have as Christians is knowing that we have access to the same power as the apostles, the same power that rose Jesus from the dead. And oftentimes Christians act like we are powerless when the truth is, in spite of all the bad times that can and may come, we are in the long run overcomers. Now, one of the greatest privileges I have at this point in my life, I turn 69 years old on Monday. And at age 68 and a half, I started a mission church. Many people I know in ministry at my age have retired and said enough is enough, yet, yet I know the kind of a world in which we live. We are in a time of a great falling away. The number of people that profess the faith is not increasing, it is declining. We see troubles and tribulations all around us. We see war and rumors of war. You can go down that entire list. And yet the world is driven more secular and away from the things of God. Now people get upset with me when I talk about you're not going to solve the world's problems at the ballot box because you won't. You can't. And the Bible makes that clear. I'm not being Mr. Negativity. I'm not anti any particular politician. I'm very conservative personally in my voting. And you can figure that out for what it means. The point is, even though I vote, And even though I vote conservatively, not establishment warmongering conservative, I'll tell you that right now, I also recognize there is something greater than our politics. And I trust what the Bible teaches explicitly. Do not put your trust in princes or the sons of men. You put it into Almighty God. And of course, your voting follows suit. As I said, being 
a pastor of a church, a small growing mission church at this point in my life. It's a challenge, but it's a great opportunity. And I shared a message of hope and about the power we have in God as Christians when we call upon his name. So now allow me to take you inside the sanctuary of Trinity Chapel in Seven Mile Ford, Virginia, for the message I delivered to my congregation this past Sunday. Heavenly Father, as we come to you at this time, when we gather around your word, as I pray each week, Lord, open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, and our hearts to receive all that you have for us this day. This I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm skipping ahead just a little bit to kind of give you an idea of where we're taking the next several Sundays. The end of this month, for many people of the more Protestant persuasion, is going to be remembering what happened on October the 31st, way back in the year of 15-whatever-it-was. I can't even keep it straight anymore. When Martin Luther, an Augustinian monk, who had given his life at a young age in fear to God to become a monk, being saved from a brutal storm, had a job. He was a well-educated, very intelligent individual. And his cloister job in this monastery was to sit there from morning till night writing out the Bible because we didn't have the printing press yet. And so he spent his time literally writing the scriptures for additional manuscripts. And that's what he did for many years. And one day, while writing the scriptures out, carefully, you know, making it where it's like the, the special legibility that they did for handwritten manuscripts, and to be thoroughly accurate, some of the Bible verses began to hit him hard, saying, wait a minute, this is not what I was taught. The Bible says this, but they're saying that. They're doing this, and the Bible condemns that. And it hit him, the power of God's word. And I, I can imagine for him, and I'm not going to talk too much about this today, it was an experience, and it was one of those what-do-you-do moments. I've made a vow as a monk. I've done this. I've done that. And I'm, I'm committed to the, to the authority of this establishment in which I'm in. But I keep writing what's in this, and it's not saying the same thing. He got very inspired and started writing out a case of where the church had gone astray where they had gone wrong, what had fallen apart. And he started writing these things down. And he came up with 95 
just bullet points of issues where the church needed to be made right. And as the custom of the day was way back in the day, on the 31st of October, known as All Hallowed's Eve, the day before All Saints' Day, November the 1st, he decided that evening to post his 95 reasons onto the church door in Wittenberg, Germany, for the public to see what's wrong with the church. And the rest is history. He became a hunted and despised man, and they named a church after him, which is never his intent. All he wanted to do was reform the church in which he was in. He didn't want to start a new one, but, you know, politics being what they are, even in Germany in the day, and Sweden in the day, and France in the day, and other places, yeah, it happened. And Geneva, Switzerland, I mean... I've read the history of the Reformation, and then King Henry saw an opportunity in England, and, you know, we just, it, thing just kind of got out of hand. And here we are 500 and some odd years, a little over 500 years later. And we're still a divided mess. And we're still a church that oftentimes is full of error, full of men's opinions and full of a lot of things that need not be full of. I know for me, I came to a conclusion early on in my ordained ministry, which made me a renegade right away. Now, I've been raised in actually a very conservative Lutheran church. And I've mentioned this before, my grandparents had their way, I'd be some kind of a Lutheran pastor in Long Island or Connecticut or whatever. That would have been her dream come true. I would have gone from a Lutheran parochial school to the high school to the junior college to the senior college and then on to the seminary. I would have never got out of a classroom like 27. And then I'd be sent off to some godforsaken place like Nebraska to start out my ministry in some small farming church to hone my skills if it didn't burn me out first. But that's not the path God put me on. Instead, God had me fellowshipping with people other than my own kind when I hit college and even when I was in high school. And I started looking even at my, some of the dogmatic things within my own church group and I'm thinking... So we're saying this, but where does it say it here? Where did they say it in the first, second, third, and fourth centuries? You know, the early church, you know, they would have had this handed down understanding. Where, where does some of this stuff come from? I respect certain things that came along in the first and second centuries. I wear a simple vestment. I wear a stole quite often. Why? That was common in the first century. It wasn't added a thousand years later. A lot of things were added hundreds, if not thousands of years later. I don't worship a particular prayer book or hymnal. There's no need to. Those are tools we create for our own benefit in our own study, in our own worship, for our own learning. But some of the, I remember, 
I had this person in my church that, that would choose hymns. And he had this one hymn that he chose or suggested that we sing on a Sunday morning. And I looked at it and I said, you out of your mind? I said, no. It, it was some song that came out in the late 1800s talking about how kids played in the playground and the toys of the day. None of it made any sense in 1999. It barely made sense in 1899. And, and I, I'm going, why? I know it's nostalgia, but this is not a place for, this is not an oldies radio station. Let's put it that way, where you go to remember the good times. Because I have people here that have no connection to the times you're talking about. And I only have a limited time every week. The schools have kids for 30 to 40 hours a week total with the bus drives. And, and your work is another 40 hours a week. Then you have the news at night and you got uh, the, the errands. The church, we're lucky to get the hour. And even then, it can be a difficult thing for people to get here. I have to use this time wisely. I don't have everybody's attention all week in this setting. I just don't. That's why learning the power of God, the power of God's word, the power of God's Holy Spirit in our life is extremely important for all of us to grasp. It is what I call the unforgotten part of the church because the church, and I'm using the church in a very generic sense. I'm not using it in what I call the correct biblical sense. The church is really the ecclesia, those that are called out, the living body of Christ on this earth. When I'm talking, when I'm using the church in a broad sense, I'm talking a group of people gathering in a building with a name on it and a board and a bunch of people that decide what they're going to do and what they're going to sing and how the pastor's going to dress and what color the carpet's going to be. And those become the issues of the day. And they lose sight of what the church is all about. Now, the readings that I kind of put together today all kind of meld to each other to a degree. From Psalm 46, and by the way, one of the greatest hymns of the Reformation, which we will sing at the end of the service today, the only version I could find that we could use, there's, the lyrics are there, but the someone's helping you to sing is not. But I think, and I'm praying, it's a shorter version, just a few verses, A Mighty Fortress. Hope we can muster the energy to sing it. And maybe we'll sing it again at the end of the month as we close out the series. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. And in some translations, a trusty shield and weapon. It's it's a very militant sounding song because what the church forgot is we are today the church militant today. There's the church militant the church expectant, the church triumphant, is what the ancients would say back in the first century. We are waiting for his return, triumphant. We are expecting, yet we are in, what does St. Paul say? We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. The church forgot that one. It's not convenient, it's messy. 
And what happens is you ignore the spiritual warfare going on inside of your church, and your church is doomed. The people are led astray, and they end up with a very warped understanding of the gospel. I've seen it happen in a few places. I've never let it happen in a church that I've been in as long as I was there. The same power, as you sang a few minutes ago, that rose Jesus from the dead, the same power that empowers the church today is ours for the asking. There's a fancy term I learned back in my seminary training called simiism. Now, I never heard of the term before put that way until I was, you know, in a little in a class, and the and I, how I ever got past listening to this guy, his lecture, he had a voice that was so quiet, <laughs> and he would read from the scriptures, and he was doing the Book of Acts, and I mean, it's like, Lord, where's the coffee? Where's the coffee? And to keep awake, and he talked about simiism, and I'm going, mm-hmm. what's that? And he talked about Simon the Magician. You see it in the book of Acts. He watched the apostles with all this power that they were given at Pentecost. And they are healing people. Miracles are being wrought. And Simon the Magician, who made his living doing, you know, parlor tricks. That's how he made his living was looking at this and goes, hey, wait a minute. Uh, Mr. Mr. Peter, I want to buy that power. You know how much money I can make with that kind of power? How much? And Peter looked at him and said, it's not for sale. You can't buy this power. That's simiism. Wanting to buy the power of God, but not being under the authority of God. And even with that soft voice lecture, I remember that concept to this day, 27, 28 years later. I recognize simiism. And I'm going to be very cautious because not all of them, but there are a handful of them out there that I've watched over the years that have come and gone, that have been on the TV, that, that have, quote, bought the power to sell it. And I, I, I'm always cautious when somebody's trying to sell something in the name of Christ, whether it's your healing, whether it's your prosperity, whether it's anything that is not really scriptural, that's simiism. It's his best display. When somebody says, all you need to sow into me and then I can sow riches into you. I'm, I'm looking, I'm trying to find that here and I can't find it. Yet people every day send thousands upon hundreds of thousands of dollars daily to these people. And they fly around and they're doing well. And I can remember one at the beginning of the pandemic. I happened to be up there in my hotel room and I was back in emergency management out of retirement. And I put the TV on in the hotel one night and I'm flipping through the channels and there was one of them. 
Now, even though we're in a pandemic, just keep up them times and offering. Mail it to me. Mail it to me. You know, like, don't stop mailing it to me. I've seen ministries, and my wife knows what I go through with the radio program I do. I, I, I get frustrated because you see some of these people out there. Some are very secularly driven, which is fine. They're not even trying to be a ministry. They don't make any point about it. They're just talking in terms of playing upon fear. Like, I've got the best deal on solar generators, the best deal on prepackaged food. I got the best deal on all of this stuff. Uh, just, you know, go to my website, and I'll give you the inside information that nobody else has, and I'll sell you this stuff at the same time. And it's like I told my wife. I said, you know what gets me? Why is somebody wanting to sell me silver and gold if it's so valuable for my crappy, worthless, junky fiat money? Why do you want my worthless dollars to give me a bag of gold? Do you think when the economy collapses, I'm going to walk into the Walmart with my little bag of gold? I got something made on. I can. I, I, and, and I'm not about to buy 25 years for 100 people apocalypse chow. I'm not doing it. Will I make plans? Will I be prepared? Will I invest in certain things to have if things are bad? Yeah, of course I will. But I'm not going to be a fanatic about it. What did Jesus tell the disciples in this gospel? This is one of the reasons I put it in there. When you go, don't take anything with you. Don't take your money. Don't take any script. Don't take any gold. Don't take anything. Trust me. We ended our service last week with this hymn, Trust and Obey. Well, in the service, Trust and Obey. The church has lost sight of the idea of trusting and obeying. We got too many people to try to second guess and figure it out and think it out and argue with God. I remember, I don't know where this just came from. Heard a guy share a story years ago about an elderly Jewish couple that lived in Brooklyn, New York. This, this goes back probably to the 1960s. They had come from the old country. He worked in the garment business. They were not wealthy. And they lived in a little apartment in Brooklyn. And for years he would commute on the subway into the city to work in the garment district. And he would always get, on, on Friday Shabbat prayers, he would go to the temple and pray, God, my wife, she works her fingers to the bone. Winter is coming and our apartment is always so cold. It never is warm. God, if I could only win the lottery, then my wife and I could afford to retire to Boca Raton and live in Florida for the rest of our days. And no longer would I have to labor and toil and live in this poverty. Week after week, month after month, he would go to the temple and pray that prayer. God, if you have pity on me, allow me to win the lottery. And one day as he was praying, the voice of God spoke to him. And he said to him, Sydney, yes, this is God. Yes, God, 
So you want to win the lottery? Yes. Well, you have to buy a ticket. Sometimes this is the problem with the church. We have all these things we want and we ask for, but we haven't bought the ticket. We haven't been engaged. We haven't become a part. We're not involved in the process. I know it's kind of a bad story, but it, it, it drives the point home. I'm not going to win the lottery if I choose to play the lottery unless I buy a ticket. Too many Christians have not bought the ticket. Too many Christians are busy trying to enjoy the benefits and the things of God without being a part of God's family truly. They are, as one old Pentecostal preacher I knew years ago would say, they be churchified, not sanctified. He's right. He's right. The book of John opens, and this is where we're going to close our service today, and we'll pick up on this theme next week. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then it continues on how the Word of God became flesh in Jesus Christ and dwelt among men. The Word of God is what created everything we see in this universe. It is the power. The Word of God is a two-edged sword. The Word of God never goes out and comes back void. Even in doing a service like this to a small group here in Chill, you know, near Chill, Howie, Marion, Seven Mile, Ford, Virginia, people watching probably couldn't find it on a map. They need to. The word will go out from this place today. It'll go out again from here later this week in, in recorded broadcast. And, and the one thing I know, I may never see the results in this lifetime. But I recognize that his word never goes back, comes back void to him. My job is doing the little thing that I do here every Sunday you know, I put together a bulletin. I put together the, what you have. And someday, maybe if anyone wants to help, that's wonderful. I want to spend my time with this congregation. I know I'm a little bit long today. I didn't really plan on being this way. I thought I'd be out of here real quick. After all, it's Pastor Appreciation Day. I could almost take the day off. But I can't. I can't. Martin Luther became a criminal in his, in his day and age with a price on his head. But God preserved him. Was he perfect? Far from it. Was he 100% accurate? No. Is any of us? Probably not. But what I have learned is God does not need to debate me. I do not need to debate God. The Bible has way too many accounts of people that tried that and they never win. Remember the 
story about the wormwood tree, you know, I just would rather sit here and just die. He'd finally give up. The word of God is power. The Holy Spirit is our teacher and the endower of that power in us. And the church, heard someone say the other day, you know, we don't read enough of God's word in our church anymore, do we? A selected verse here, a selected verse there. And we don't really study the Bible as we once did. We study the culture and opinions and the economy and family raising and everything except what does God's word really have to say? It is the foundation of it all. And we've lost sight. Psalm 46, those verses. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth be removed, though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. God has a plan for us, his people. My wife always asked me, this is my final thought. Will we ever make this world a better place? And, I, and my answer is kind of, to a degree. Something hit me a long time ago. Evil will take one, two, three, maybe four steps forward. And we realize how bad it's getting and we fight and then maybe it retreats one or two steps. And we declare victory until evil gradually takes one, two, three, four steps forward. Then we're happy to get one or two back. Have you noticed the trajectory is still going in the same direction? I rejoice in those victories of getting those steps back. That's our job. But we also recognize that there's a day of destiny for this world and I want to be on the side where I hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I don't want to be among those, well, well Lord, we, you know, we had church, we, we did this, and we sang, and you know, we did it. Depart from me, I never knew you. You workers of iniquity. Many churches out there talk about this lovey-dovey Jesus, but they don't talk about the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. They talk about a sweet, nice man. They don't want to talk much even about his resurrection because, ooh, well, that may offend somebody. Heavenly Father, I know there's so much more to be said. But Lord, let's stop here. I just feel you saying this is enough for today. Lord, give us a hunger for your word, a hunger for those that are lost, a hunger for those in our own community. We recognize the mission that we're called to begins right as we walk out these doors today. That is the mission field. The mission field is in Seven Mile Fort. It's Chilhowee. It's Marion. It's Bristol. It's... Saltville, it's Roanoke, it's Washington, D.C., 
It's all across the United States, North America. It's everywhere. And Lord, each of us has a little piece of that ministry. I pray, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit that you will guide us and empower us and encourage us, strengthen us, and renew us. For this I ask in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen and Amen. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper, he amidst the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe does seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great and armed with cruel hate. On earth is not his equal.
Wonder with Bob Bierman. Well, our time is up for this weekend edition of Truth to Ponder. And I want to thank all of you that listen. This has been an exciting week. We are now broadcasting on a number of shortwave radio stations, a number of frequencies on WRMI in Okeechobee, Florida. We have added, of course, WTWW weeknights, 9 and 11 p.m. Eastern Time on 5085 kilohertz. And of course, on the weekend, we are heard on the Voice of Hope in Zambia, in Eastern Africa, and on their two frequencies, pretty much covering virtually all the continent of Africa. We can't do it without your support. And I'm coming to you today as we are hitting the middle of October. And we really need to hear from you to keep this going the way it needs to be growing. Now, my time is free, but the airtime is not. If you would consider today giving your support, you can do it one of two ways. You can either go to our website, truth2ponder.com, truth2ponder.com, and at the website, we use Give, Send, Go, a Christian online funding organization we've had no trouble with. So I, I encourage you, if you prefer to give online, you can do it at truth2ponder.com or make a check or money order payable to Ancient Word Radio. Ancient Word Radio, Post Office Box 510. Post Office Box 510 in Chilhowie, C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E, Chilhowie, Virginia, zip code 24319. Once again, Ancient Word Radio, Post Office Box 510. Chilhowie, C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E, Chilhowie, Virginia, 24319. Once again, zip code 24319. And we will see you next week. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, Truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's Truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to Ponder, shining the light of truth in a darkening world.